This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV. And now here's host, Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week our focus is squarely on South America. One of the leading experts on the inter-American court system reacts to moves initiated by Ecuador and Venezuela to weaken the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. And we'll discuss the race for extractive commodities and what that's doing to the Amazon rainforest. But first, Vanessa Jesus Gonzadi is here with our weekly roundup of news from around Latin America. Opposition politician Leopoldo López left the presidential race in Venezuela on Tuesday to support his leading rival Enrique Capriles Radonsky. López says he shares Capriles' political plan for the country. This is about a common vision to transform Venezuela. And we tell the people today that the Venezuela that Capriles has been talking about, a country with progress, with strong citizens when exercising their rights, and with the best education system in the region that we will build? Yes, I agree with all that. The Venezuelan opposition seeks a contender who will challenge President Hugo Chavez this fall. Lopez, a former Caracas district mayor, was banned from running for office in 2008, and since his legal status to take office remains unclear, he stepped back. The Inter-American Court of Human Rights ruled in Lopez's favor this past fall, but Venezuelan authorities did not guarantee that if elected, he could take office. The announcement gives a boost to Capriles Radonsky, a young governor who leads the polls for the February 12th opposition primaries. Chile's former president, Ricardo Lagos, says the biggest challenge of democracy in the region is effectiveness. Democracy has to deliver. Now, in defense of Latin America, I think that now Latin American countries has an important number of people well prepared that know how to run, at least from the economic point of view. More to the right, more to the left, whatever, but that's it. At an event in Washington, D.C. to promote his new book, he said that probably because the region has had so many crises, it has learned from them. He believes the real test is for governments to understand what societies need and expect from them. A former Guatemalan military dictator, Efraín Ríos Montt, appeared in court Thursday to face genocide charges during his 1982-83 regime. During a 36-year-long civil war, there were more than 600 massacres and more than 200,000 people were killed or disappeared by the military. The 17 months that Ríos Montt was in power are considered among the most brutal of the Guatemalan civil war. The Organization of American States approved a number of reforms regarding human rights proposed by Ecuador's President Rafael Correa. Correa, supported by Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez, proposed to weaken the organization's special rapporteur for freedom of expression. The rapporteur now cannot publish a separate or longer report on the human rights status of the countries attached to the organization. President Correa has been discrediting Colombian rapporteur Catalina Botero after her office published a report which criticized Ecuador. President Barack Obama called members of Congress to work on immigration reform during his annual State of the Union speech. During the speech, he said he would work with Republicans and Democrats to address the issue of illegal immigration. If election year politics keeps Congress from acting on a comprehensive plan, let's at least agree to stop expelling responsible young people who want to staff our labs 
start new businesses, defend this country. Send me a law that gives them the chance to earn their citizenship. I will sign it right away. Obama said he intends to protect the borders, enforce U.S. laws, but stop expelling young talents who can make the country advance further. Presidential candidate Newt Gingrich says the U.S. needs a tougher policy on Cuba to bring on what he called a Cuban spring. Gingrich, along with Mitt Romney, heavily criticized President Obama's policy towards Cuba in Miami Wednesday. Obama has lifted many U.S. restrictions to travel to the island, while opponents believe it's an economic boost to Cuba. I'm Vanessa Jesus Gonzari, reporting for Latin Pulse. Thanks, Vanessa. As we heard a bit earlier last fall, the Inter-American Court on Human Rights issued a ruling about Venezuela's elections saying candidate Leopoldo Lopez should be allowed to run for president. Venezuela's government countered with a statement saying Lopez would be allowed on the ballot, but it was unclear what would happen if he won. With the changes this week, some see this as a move by Venezuela's government to manipulate which opposition candidate opposes President Hugo Chavez this year. Add to that the vote this week, spurred on by Ecuador and Venezuela, that could weaken the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights, and you have an intricate and complex international battle over a legal system. Joining us to discuss this is Claudio Grossman, the dean of the Washington College of Law at American University, and a man recognized throughout the hemisphere as one of the leading experts on the Inter-American Court System and human rights. He's also a former president of the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. Dean Grossman, welcome to Latin Pulse. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. What are we to make of these moves opposing the Inter-American Court System and the Inter-American Commission? Well, the, some of these uh, moves are uh, pretty unfortunate. The, uh, the most important uh, component of the Organization of American States uh, has been its uh, system of protection of human rights that has attracted uh, tens, hundreds of thousands of people in terms of uh, joining in uh, presenting cases, following the decisions and recommendations of the Organization of American States and so forth. The system also played a very important role in uh, defending people when we had dictators and uh, continue to have a violation of human rights. So uh, these uh, things are worrisome and need to be taken uh, with, uh, with a lot of uh, care and uh, seriousness. Well, obviously, this system has been part of what's improved human rights in a large way across the hemisphere in the past generation. Uh, are we seeing a retrenchment of that? Well, uh, let me start by saying that uh, the uh, protection uh, of human rights uh, more than anything depends on men and women the, like you, me, and others that are listening here that uh, want to live a better life uh, and, uh, and are uh, willing and able to, to fight for their rights. And then uh, the role of the inter-American system is to support those endeavors, uh, to create a space also for the individuals uh, to present uh, petitions and be heard when countries are unwilling and unable to uh, to listen to their demands. Uh, it's also a way also to keep people in, uh, le let me see, committed with the rule of law because these are procedures. People are complaining about things and complaining in the uh, existing procedures. So it is uh, certainly not encouraging when we hear about the uh, recommendations uh, whose uh, purpose is uh, to try and influence uh, 
the autonomy, or in this case of the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. Well, uh, I trust that the Inter-American Commission will be strong enough to listen at these, uh, quote, recommendations, end quote, allegedly to strengthen the system and understand that its purpose is to weaken the system. I think also that it's very important the mobilization of civil society and, and governments uh, that, that are uh, behind the, the system of protection of human rights, also to create a political framework that shows uh, that the Commission is not alone. Because uh, the majority of the countries, and certainly the populations and men and women in this uh, region, are behind the system of protection of human rights. So it's a mistake for those uh, who believe uh, that they could tarnish or weaken the system, that they will succeed on this. They won't. I want to get back to the Lopez case in, in a bit, but, but since you brought up civil society, I think it's important to note that 40 different civil society organizations opposed the move this week at the Organization of American States to um, make these changes in the Special Rapporteur's Office of, of Freedom of Expression. And, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that civil society is part of this process and is welcomed as part of this process, but I'm, I'm wondering if they're having their voice heard because the vote actually went against what civil society wanted in this case. Right. The, in the Organization of American States, uh, it's uh, one country, one vote, irrespective of uh, the number of individuals and so forth. And there is uh, like a uh, environment uh, of, of trying to achieve uh, sometimes uh, consensus and and not, uh, not coming up uh, for uh, the things that are uh, re really meaningful. I mean, let me give, uh, first of all, uh, that background. It's also very important leadership, and sometimes it's lacking in terms of the, uh, of, of the organs and the political organs of the Organization of American States. But the key thing here is that countries, and important countries, came up uh, against this, uh, this uh, let me see, quote, recommendations, and recommendations, and quote, recommendations that were introduced at the last minute, as a matter of fact. So uh, the Italians have an expression that say chiaro oscuro, clear and dark. Huh? So we see governments, let us not forget that governments created these mechanisms that allow, uh, and democratic governments, uh, that allow individuals to go even against them. So that says a lot uh, about the, the democratic governments, uh, in, in the region. But at the same time, uh, we have seen attempts uh, to try and, uh, and influence uh, the Commission. And again, even if some of these, uh, uh, let me see, uh, uh, decisions are recommendations, huh? recommendations and the Commission doesn't need to follow it, they create an environment that is not positive. That's why the mobilization of civil society and the voice of the government that have opposed these uh, measures is uh, very important. I'm glad you said that Italian saying clear and dark because uh, in my mind as a layman who's, who's not a lawyer, who's nowhere near an expert on this particular system, it's unclear to me that this vote and this recommendation will actually make changes or whether it's just symbolic. Right. Uh, well, uh, f first of all, let, let me say these are recommendations uh, to the organs, but uh, r recommendations could play a role. Uh, it's... Uh, they're not binding, but they have a, po a political influence. That's why it's very important, the mobilization of civil society and the voice of uh, those governments who oppose, quote, this recommendation, end quote. And, uh, and I'm confident that they will not uh, succeed. Uh, they, uh, 
this idea that when there are uh, donors uh, that they give uh, resources to the uh, rep rapporteur on freedom of expression, eh? that those uh, those uh, monies needs to be distributed among everyone. Uh, it uh, runs counter to to, uh, to many principles, and one would be enough if if the countries want to strengthen other rapporteurs, they could provide resources. You know, uh, there are important uh, ra uh, rapporteurs in the, uh, concerning immigration, uh, for example, right of women. I was a rapporteur on the right of women, the rights of indigenous population. And I would say, speak with the wallet. If somebody wants to donate resources uh, to the rapporteur on freedom of expression, that's to be welcome. If uh, it's wrong to have an image of balance here, that's, as a dean of a law school, my duty is to ask resources. You know, if somebody wants to give money to a program on uh, the clinics against violence against women, I, I, the way is not here to go and say, well, guess what, I want you to give money for the tax clinic. I mean, this. I think everyone listening in this uh, program will understand. But I, I think it's very valuable to provide resources to other rapporteurs. So those who believe that should write a check. It's not a problem. We always know that, that uh, those resources at the OAS, the Organization of American States, sometimes are lacking. The United States providing the bulk of, of those resources. But to move to more of the specifics of this case um, in Venezuela, the Lopez case, I, w I wonder what your analysis is of that. Um, is th this, in your view, a manipulation of the electoral system? Well, let me say, first of all, that what needs to happen when there is a judicial decision is to apply the judicial decision. I mean, that's uh, that th those uh, the powers of uh, the Inter-American Court rest on a uh, treaty, the American Convention on Human Rights, that has been freely ratified. Nobody imposed this. Uh, so convention. in your mind, then, this is dodging right. or deflecting that decision? Right. Well, the fact that the government of Venezuela, for example, uh, start, uh, said, well, uh, Mr. Lopez can run, but casting doubt whether if he's elected, uh, he will be allowed to assume. And then we had also a general saying, well, uh, we don't, we're not going to necessarily respect the vote uh, the, in the elections if uh, Chavez loses the election. You can understand, uh, and everyone listening to this uh, program can understand that this has an impact in the people voting. Uh, so uh, the fact that uh, the uh, the sentence of the Inter-American uh, Court was uh, not simply applied without questioning, I mean, already constitutes a violation of a judicial decision. That's the first point. In that context, I think uh, uh, Mr. Lopez, that understood uh, probably uh, the, the need to unite the opposition, decided to join forces with Mr. Capriles. Because... Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know the particulars of this situation from, from the outside. The, I read, the, you know, during this uh, week, the statement by Lopez saying we're going to unite and I'm going to support another candidate. And I think that probably he did that to remove, you know, something very important, which was uncertainty. Well, if we vote for him, what will happen? But the issue is what I mentioned before, inability, unwillingness to appear in a clear way, to apply in a clear way, a decision by an international court. Huh? In a case also that, uh, you know, doesn't resist analysis. I mean, uh, 
uh, there are hundreds of people that have been object of uh, of decisions of internal uh, uh, I mean, ba based on actions by the current government of Venezuela to exclude them from participation in election. And then uh, uh, we have witnessed this type of persecution in, in many areas of the world. I mean, when you know the tax system is used against uh, political opponents, or they are deemed as uh, crazy and sent to uh, uh, to psychiatrist institutions, or uh, and so forth. And then the key thing is the massive way in which this happened in Venezuela. It's not only one person, because there could be uh, instances of corruptions of politicians. But the key thing here is a pattern of abuse and the abuse of the legal system in order to go against political opponents. And so the, that's why the case of Lopez cannot be seen in isolation. Does this raise any further concerns for you? Uh, well, uh, sure. I, I think that it's very important in this concept, precisely with proper leadership and uh, commitment to reaffirm the inter-American system of protection of human rights, uh, to establish the consequences for the violation of its norms, to, uh, to uh, strengthen the autonomy of the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights, to provide the necessary resources and not to start, you, you know, through different gimmicks that anyone can look through them, uh, uh, like this one on the Rapporteur of Freedom of, ex of Expression, uh, so even gimmicks whose purpose is to weaken the system, uh, to, uh, you know, uh, to, to try to achieve that goal. But I have the trust and confidence that those things will not succeed because at the end, the inter-American system depends on men and women who want their rights to be respected. And that's a very powerful movement in the world today. Briefly, is there a mechanism to make a country like Venezuela follow those dictates of the court? Well, uh, uh, what you are doing is important, and what the Rapporteur on Freedom of Expression of the Organization of American State does is important. I mean, to continue to talk about these matters, and uh, and again, uh, I know the frustration sometimes of uh, people that uh, uh, believe in drastic uh, measures between quotations mark I, world doesn't function this way there is a struggle for ideas and at the end change depends on the nations themselves and then uh, what we can do is uh, to provide moral and ethical support and, and the legitimacy uh, of the rule of law I will finish by saying this I've visited the uh, jails in my capacity of uh, chair of the Committee Against Torture of the United Nations. I've been with people in the worst conditions. And they say, you know something? The fact that you are here has a tremendous meaning for me. It gives me the moral and strength uh, to, uh, that comes from the fact of knowing that I'm not alone. And it deprives of legitimacy to those who are violating my rights. So that's the role, the weakest role that you can think of but an important role in supporting people who want their rights to be uh, respected. Claudio Grossman, the dean of the Washington College of Law at American University, our guest today on Latin Pulse. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to you. I want to finish and then go to, to be able to and have my parents couldn't have. I'll even make, because I know it's the best thing I can do for my I want to finish school. 
and then go to college to be able to graduate and have the future my parents couldn't have. I'll even make sacrifices because I know that going to college is the best thing I can do for my future. It takes the words of a parent to build the future of a child. The Hispanic Scholarship Fund has the tools and information to help your kids go to college. It's free and it's available in Spanish. Remember, their tomorrow depends on your words today. Visit yourwordstoday.org or call 1-877-HSF-8711. Sponsored by the Hispanic Scholarship Fund and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Latin Pulse. Extractive commodities. One of those hot-button phrases you may hear in the environmental debate. But just what are these commodities? Well, the list is long, but consider coal, iron, lithium, copper, and even oil among the items we pull from the earth to fuel the world's economy. But the race to extract these commodities is often controversial. And not only does that process intrude on environmentally delicate areas, such as the Amazon rainforest, but also into indigenous lands, having an impact on society from labor rights to changing cultures. For instance, in Peru late last year, strikes connected to controversial mining projects created political ripples throughout the country. Joining us to discuss the wider issues of extractive commodities is Eve Bratman, a scholar at American University who studies development. Dr. Bratman, welcome to Latin Pulse. Thank you, Rick. It's great to be here. Great to have you. What's your view on the pressures that extracting these lucrative commodities bring to environmentally sensitive regions in Latin America? Well, first of all, I think it's important to remember that throughout the Amazon, there has been consistently an emphasis on environmental conservation that has has particularly been a result of international and oftentimes even local environmental groups that have tried to emphasize how important it is to conserve rather than to extract the resources of, of the forest and, and its soil. Um, so the drive to towards these mining projects and the road paving projects uh, and many of the, the oil extraction projects that have also been very popular in the region lately are largely a result of the development pressures that these countries are also facing. And in, in light of wanting to keep economic growth uh, proceeding at rapid rates and without problems, these countries are now looking to extract as many resources, they, resources excuse me, as they can from, from areas that otherwise uh, have not been explored so fully. And uh, this creates considerable political tensions, both for the countries as they strive to uh, keep their populations uh, happy and relatively restful, um, and as well as in the international sphere as, as nations around the world are, are simultaneously voicing a, a priority for environmental conservation. Obviously, um, the, the big player economically in the region for uh, a very long time has been the United States. Or, but th- are there other pressures, other, other actors that are, that are part of this now? Absolutely. Um, the Brazilian National Bank is actually one of the, the biggest investors in the Bolivian road paving project, as well as in some of the other mining activities that have been common in, in the Amazon. And they're not just investing in Brazilian projects, but also um, throughout the region. And what's, I think, so interesting about much of these tendencies is that the, the 
BNEJSE, the Brazilian Development Bank, has not been as um, flexible in the face of pressure from the environmental community as, say, the World Bank or other common international funders. Well, l- let me ask you, um, as someone who, who works in, in the Amazon, in the Brazilian Amazon, but you know about the, the greater area, for people in the United States, we tend to think about that there's a bright line around that area. We know that it's, it's one of the very important lungs of the planet and that there shouldn't be a whole lot of development. But if you read the statistics, um, not just the clear-cutting, but these sorts of extractive projects, um, simply putting a road into these areas affects change. From your own experience, what can just a road do? Roads are the primary correlate to increased deforestation. Many small-scale family farmers look towards increased infrastructure as a, as a means of getting their goods out to market and as a genuine improvement in their livelihoods. And so that's not to say that all roads are necessarily bad. However, the main interest behind many of these road building projects are mining companies and our loggers and ranchers who have a very different model of what constitutes development in mind. And so with some of those roads, along with the the cutting of the forest for the road itself, become incursions into the forest for the illegal extraction of wood or for illegal land claiming, which will then lead to very environmentally devastating forms of of land use. I'm glad you got to the illegal portion of of this particular issue. So companies are coming in and doing legal projects, but but then there's a, I I guess, a black market? Certainly. Um, The illegal trade in mahogany has largely been shut down. And international law has been very useful at making conventions and and having good monitoring systems set up along those lines. However, there's still a a huge void in many of the associated trades. Um, For example, many uh, there's huge amounts of slave labor that come out of the Brazilian Amazon, where logging has led to the extraction of of trees that are then used for charcoal, which is then used in the production of pig iron, where the steel from the pig iron gets sent to the United States for car production and for basic plumbing fixtures. Brazil has the second highest rates in the world of slave labor, and there's virtually nothing being done about it right now. And in that context, then, we've run some stories about the Brazilian slave labor problem, but but you've seen this, I'm, I'm guessing, close up. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Some of the organizations closest to the ground, as it were, working on the slave labor issue in Brazil come out of the Catholic Church, and they have a an extensive program of awareness raising around what constitutes forms of labor akin to slavery and of of trying to work with the government to crack down on some of the worst offenders. That said... There are pressures within the Brazilian government coming from what's called the Juralistas, um, which is a, a, a word meaning the big ag sector. And as they attempt to change the forest code, it would re- drastically reduce the amount of penalties put on, on ranchers that are found to have sla- forms of labor akin to slavery on their, on their ranches. Since we're talking about extractive commodities and we've, we've mentioned some companies, 
um, I, I think we need to be clear here. In in the Brazilian case, the slave labor cases, are those cases connected to named companies, to um, large multinationals, or are they really connected to some of these more illegal operations that, that you've pinpointed earlier? Oftentimes it's medium-scale ranchers, and there have been um, some really noteworthy cases that are connected to the mine at Carajás in the Brazilian Amazon, but um, and, and companies like Vale do Rio Doce are now under the spotlight in a very important way internationally. Uh, they've been nominated as one of the worst companies in the world in terms of their environmental practices as well as their labor practices. And this is Brazil's largest mining company. Eve Bratman joining us today on Latin Pulse. She teaches at American University in the School of International Service. Thank you, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Latin Pulse is available on the web and via iTunes. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org, forward slash Latin Pulse. If you'd like to comment on this week's program, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud, or you can write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. Thank you for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For associate producer Vanessa Jesus Gonzati and announcer Victor Kilo, I'm Rick Rockwell. Escucha nosotros vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced in Washington, D.C. at American University's School of Communication with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV and additional music from Canary Productions and Bath Time Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2012, Las Rocas Productions.